House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Well, we have a we have a uh, talk show host, uh, a professional, and a uh, favorite from a lot of people. Uh, he uh, fills in on Coast to Coast, which. Uh, Everybody pretty much knows that show. I don't need to talk about it. And he also does The Conspiracy Show, and he's out of Toronto. Uh, Richard Sirrett, thank you for being here. Al, my pleasure, and thank you uh, as well, Julie. Thank you. So, Richard, um, a lot of people probably don't know. Uh, how did you get into doing The Conspiracy Show and, and paranormal shows like Coast to Coast? Like, was Was there some event that happened to you that... Um, made you just want to follow through with this kind of a career in your life? Well, at the time, this was in the late 90s, I was working at CFRB, a heritage station in Toronto that has been on the air since 1927, so what, over 90 years. And at that time, I was producing, so I, I was behind the scenes, and I was working with some of the legends in talk radio, so I got to learn from the very best. And then in the late 90s, the program director asked me if I'd like to step behind the microphone and do my own show. At that time, they were really, uh, really good at promoting talent from within. And so they would typically give someone like me uh, a, a late night show overnights on the weekend when, when and where we can do the least amount of damage. <laughs> so I was, and my first show in radio was, uh, uh, in the late 90s, Sunday nights at 11. And it didn't start out as a conspiracy or a paranormal talk show. Uh, I was just talking about my life and, and just sort of the human condition, things that I thought were sort of relevant to everyone in their everyday lives, not a hard political show or anything like that, just life. And slowly... The, the paranormal aspects kind of creeped into the show. At that time, we subscribed to a, uh, a, a service called the Wireless Flash. And it was, uh, it, it was a great prep tool for talk show hosts. And there were little interviews that, and, and with the contact number of the, of the guest or the publicist. And I think the very first interview I did in this arena was uh, on the Loch Ness Monster. So there was uh, someone who was looking for uh, Nessie, a hunter. I suppose not a hunter, but uh, someone who was hunt well hunting for Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster. So that was the first, uh, the first one I did, and I, it got such a terrific response. I started introducing more and more of that into the show until I would say uh, by 1999 it had virtually taken over, and it became exclusively about cryptozoology and the paranormal, and then of course. 9-11 happened, and that changed everything for everyone, and that obviously took a, a huge, uh, uh, or began began to dominate what the program was all about. So uh, that's basically sort of the trajectory of how the show kind of took off. Uh, and then I hadn't really thought about it for, for many years, but I had had my own paranormal uh, experience in the mid to well mid 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 1980s it was 1986 87 actually just after my father died and um, I don't know if you want me to go into that now but that um, upon reflection 
uh, that sort of would inform, um, that informed my, um, I guess my entree into, into the paranormal. But I, it's funny, I had, it had happened, it was traumatic at the time, and then it was completely, not completely, but somewhat forgotten, perhaps suppressed. And then all of a sudden I realized, hey, wait a minute, something like this has happened to me. And, um, so I, I think about it a lot more than I, than I, than I used to, but it's been over 30 years since I've had that experience. And then subsequently to that, just a few years ago, I had, um, an- another paranormal experience, uh, well, possibly. <laughs> I'm always skeptical. I mean, there's, al- there's always a, a prosaic explanation, which I'm, I'm, I'm upfront about. Uh, so, um, I, I have to be kind of careful. It's, it's not 100% that I had a paranormal experience, but, um, something strange may have happened. Let's put it that way. It involved a, a, a possible telephone call from um, my late radio partner after he died. Ooh. Oh. So when you were growing up, I'm going to come back to that point, Richard, because it's fascinating, but when, when you were growing up, what was the belief system in the house? What was kind of your, your, your values and your beliefs in respect to the paranormal and well, as a as a young lad, we were we were um, Methodist or the, the United Church. I was raised in the United Church, which used to be the Methodist Church, and I went to Sunday school. I went to uh, I attended. Uh, I sang in the choir. Um, I played in the church hockey league. Um, but as a child, it it, it wasn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was devout in the sense that I had experiential. Um, I had experience, you know, with the divine. It was simply something that we were expected to do, and I, I had no objection to it. It installed a wonderful sense of community, attending uh, the church and so forth. But I had real no, uh, I had no real experience. Uh, so I wouldn't say I was a, you know, a, a terribly spiritual person. Uh, but it certainly laid the groundwork. I mean, I, I would consider myself now to be somewhat religious. Um, so there was no taboo, really, uh, talking about, you know, ghosts or, or anything like that. Um, I, um, I remember being very fond of a program with Leonard Nimoy called In Search Of, which explored a lot of, um, you know, mysteries and UFOs and things like that. But I, I would hardly categorize myself as sort of a, you know, a hardcore devotee of, of the paranormal or, or conspiracies at that, at that age. I'm talking maybe what, 12, 13, 14, 15. Um, it wasn't, you know, until my early twenties, I had that first paranormal experience just after my father died. And then, as I said, I sort of suppressed it or forgot about it for quite some time. Uh, but to answer your question, no, they, there was no taboo. They, they, we were, it was fairly, my parents were fairly encouraging of, of us exploring and, and, uh, keeping an open mind and even discussing these things at, at the dinner table. That's fantastic, isn't it? Because so often, um, we get shut down very early on in, into exploring our own beliefs and, and, um, I suppose researching and finding out more about those things that intrigue us. And in term, when you when you talk about your father's passing and that event afterwards, what what form did that take? Well, 
it was a day, I believe, or the day uh, that he was buried. He passed away on New Year's Eve, 1986. And that night, I was at home. Uh, I was at I was home from winter during winter break from university, and when he passed away, so I was back in my old uh, bedroom in my mother's house in the basement, and I had fallen asleep uh, to the sound of the television in the other room. The rest of the family had gathered at the home; they were watching TV in the in the adjoining room to my bedroom. And so when I woke up and it was completely uh, dark and completely silent, I realized, oh, it must be very late. The TV's off. Everyone else has gone to bed or gone home. And uh, I was uh, facing the wall. The bed was up against the wall. I was facing the wall. And I I just felt this sense that someone or something was in the room. So I turned over in the bed and faced the wall. And there was this specter coming through uh, the door. And it was very, very dark. It was a basement, um, a basement uh, bedroom, mm-hmm. and it was a very. Uh, but I could still make out sort of the shadow, uh, the outline of this figure, and it seemed to be a very, sh- uh, fairly short person. And I immediately thought that it was my mother coming through the door, and I called out to her, and there was no response. And uh, the next thing I, I noticed was that this, uh, I had this uh, sweatshirt that had a University of Victoria insignia on it, and it was somewhat. Um, uh, uh, phosphorescent. It kind of glowed in the dark a little bit. And I thought that I made out that sweatshirt and I, I was so confused. I was never afraid. I was just confused. And I was wondering, why is my mother wearing my sweatshirt? And the other thing I, I have to uh, throw out there is that, and, and, and again, this is why I off- offer up this possibility that it, there's a more prosaic explanation customary when, a, when, when someone in the family dies that the doctor will prescribe mild sedatives to everyone in the family. And my mother uh, dutifully you know, broke off a little piece. I think she gave us maybe a, a third of a tablet each to help us sleep. So I had taken one of those. So again, I, I, I throw that out there that it's possible that that was having some effect. Um, and I was thinking that as I'm watching this specter come through the door. I, is this the medication? What is going on here? Uh, and then it disappeared. I closed my eyes, put my head down, back on my pillow, and then when I opened my eyes, this specter was floating above me, parallel to to me. So its face was looking down into my face. And when I looked up into that face, it was me, my doppelganger. Wow. And and then I immediately, um, you know, uh, stretched out my arms and kind of made a, a fanning motion, and it just dissipated. And as if it got sucked into a corner of the room, it just vanished like that. And that was it. And I never mentioned it to anyone until several years later when other members of the family started to mention things that had happened to them. And then I felt, okay, uh, it's it's safe. I can I can talk about it now. Oh, and what do you I've think lost ha- you. when that happened? What did I think when it happened? Yeah, what um, did it meant to you? What was What was the purpose of that, do you think? Well, again, I was confused uh, by the whole thing, and just because it had happened immediately following my father's funeral, my first thought was he's come back in a form, in a different form, so as not to frighten me. That's what I thought. That was just mere speculation on my part. Um, 
then wow. I began to think about, well, maybe. Now what do I think? Um, well, many years. Boy, oh, boy. A serious radio I'm confl- And yeah, you would have conflic- stories. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I remain conflicted about it. Right. Um, and I, I don't know that that will ever re- resolve itself. The other thing that I've, I've read about is that in times of, of stress, sometimes uh, our, our doppelganger will appear to us, which is a, a, sort of our soul body, sort of an out-of-body experience. So it's possible you know, that that was what it was happening. But I, I do remain, I have to admit, I remain conflicted about it to this day. I've, 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 not, I've not reconciled it. I've not sorted it uh, out in my mind uh, and, and probably never will. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because uh, all of the years of, of hosting that you've done, you've spoken to so many people and heard so many different experiences. And yet, for you personally, that is still something that is so unresolved. Yes. Um, and I, because I am naturally very skeptical, um, whether it's about conspiracies or the paranormal, I'm not a, I, I don't say I'm a debunker, but I am skeptical. Uh, and, and, and these things perhaps are, are, are not knowable, ultimately. So from your very early days, when you were your first interview about, the, you know, in terms of paranormal, the Loch Ness Monster, a very British thing, what has been the most memorable um, interview you've had in terms of teaching you something, in terms of something you've, you've taken away from it? Wow. Um now, we have to sort of separate these into the, the various fields. There's the paranormal, there's cryptozoology, and, and the conspiracy uh, field. So did you want me to address one of those? or So all of them, to tell, tell us, you know, because this is so important for your, your learning. Your whole development is based on, isn't it, your experiences, who you speak to, what information conflicts with that, how you make sense of it. I think it's fascinating how we, we develop through the views of others. Yes. Well, uh, boy, that is a tough question. Um, I mean, there are so many that I've, I've done hundreds and hundreds over the years. So to pick one that stands out, um, well, I had the I great I had the great honor and, and, and pleasure of getting to know Jim Mars. Uh, quite well. We probably did about a dozen interviews over the years. Jim Mars, of course, one of the grandfathers of the JFK assassination uh, arena, uh, and 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 many other areas that he's delved into. But I, I've I learned a lot from uh, from from Jim Mars regarding JFK. Um, I remember being down in Dealey Plaza, and uh, I had never been before, so I was just kind of walking around, and and the phone my my cell phone rang. And lo and behold, it was Jim, who lived in nearby in Fort Worth, and uh, he proceeded to give me a guided tour of Dealey Plaza while I'm on the phone. And of course, Jim's book Crossfire was one of the the books uh, that uh, Oliver Stone sort of worked from um, and used as the as the basis of his his uh, his movie JFK. So to get a a guided tour by Jim of Dealey Plaza by Jim Mars was was very instructional. Um, the, the other individual that's been very instructive to me over the years is uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, who's a Messianic Jew, and um, 
uh, I mean, this is another area I delve into a fair bit, you know, the Bible and, and, and so forth and, and prophecy. And, uh, uh, I just, I'm, he never ceases to amaze me. I'm just blown away by his, his, the depth and breadth of his, of his knowledge of, uh, of the Bible. And what did you take from those particular interviews? So I guess I'm, what I'm interested in is the learning that you've taken, how that shaped you as uh, a presenter and in your beliefs. Well, in, in, in terms of uh, Jonathan Kahn, and, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always up front uh, on, on my programs that I'm an Orthodox Christian. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. So I guess the takeaway for... for for me, for with Rabbi Khan, is it's just been very faith affirming. Um, how you know prophecy? Um, the Bible is you know is is primarily prophecy. I think it's something like two thirds of the Bible is prophecy, and and how much of that has come has come to to fruition? Uh, you know that that to me is just just stunning. And the way that he lays it out is just stunning. And then with Jim Mars, it's it's all just um, there's a, a, a saying that if we have seen further, it's because we have stood on the shoulders of giants. And um, I'm not sure if that's Voltaire. Who is that? Who said that? Uh, anyway, it's an expression that always stays with me. And so, it, it, for me, when I do these interviews with with, with great researchers and authors and investigators like Jim Mars or, or uh, John Rappaport from uh, No More Fake News, uh, it, it's just all great research. It, it helps prepare me for the next interview. So, you know, I'm, I'm not an investigator. I'm not a researcher. I'm, I'm a broadcaster. I just I run my mouth for a living. So I'm really I'm reliant upon you know, the experts and the authors and so forth to make these shows. Um, and so when I have access to great investigators like Jim Mars, that just helps me prepare better for the next interview with someone else. I can reference Jim Mars or I can reference Rabbi Khan or I can reference John Rappaport or, uh, you know, just a whole panoply, of the pantheon, really, of of uh, great investigators and researchers in these fields. And when we interview people, we we tend to, um, I I tend to, I'll bring very little in about myself personally. I'll say the odd thing um, in terms of my mediumship, etc., but very little really. And I guess when we um, sometimes. You hear uh, people talking and you want to believe them because they believe so adamantly themselves and it's really hard to do. Has there ever been um, a belief um, or you know, a view that you've listened to and just thought, this is crazy? Yes, yes. Um, but I always try to pro provide a, a safe and respectful platform. Yeah. So I will... Where it's appropriate, I'll I'll offer an opinion, or I'll I'll press them a little bit, or um, you know challenge them in a, in a gentle and respectful way. But I I, I don't want to turn I've never wanted to turn these shows into um, you know a debate because otherwise otherwise we you know they'd never get out of the starting blocks you know the, the, yeah. i would challenge the whole premise and and then they would never have an opportunity 
you know, to tell their, their side of things. I let the listeners decide for themselves. Great. You know, um, when you're, when you're doing, um, a show with a guest and you're talking about, um, you know, something in the conspiracy field, how, how, how do you assess what's real and what's not? I, I mean, because of late, there's, you know, with the Internet and with all this stuff, there's so much information out there and there's so many conspiracies. Like it's gone all the way to, you know, Alex Jones typey stuff. So how do you know what you're getting is real? Ultimately, you don't. Um, and again, that's that's for the audience to decide what is real and what is not. Um, however, you know, I have to take things sort of on a case by case basis, which is something the mainstream media doesn't do. They 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 conflate, right? So if if uh, they're they're trying to discredit someone, they'll say, well, this person, yes, you know, they're talking about JFK, but they also believe in Bigfoot, so that discredits them. They they you know they just group everything together uh and, you know uh the moon landing hoax and uh 911 and you know just everything but the kitchen sink so i take it on a case by case basis and and for me personally when i'm inter- when i'm listening to this i'm listening for evidence rather than just you know broad speaking uh, broad uh broad statements like well um you know Researchers believe this, or researchers say this. Well, re- what researchers and what's the data? Uh, ultimately, you have to look at the data. You have to look at the evidence. Now, when we're talking about conspiracies and things that happened 50, 60 years ago, um, you know, obviously, it's 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 very, very difficult to provide the smoking gun document. But if you look at the preponderance of evidence. Um, to me, that's what you're looking at. You know, JFK, for example. I just these overwhelming uh, eyewitness testimony documentation to at least to at least establish from for me that that Oswald uh, either didn't do it or if he did, he didn't act alone. Uh, so that's the way I approach it. I'm looking for data. I'm looking for uh, for evidence and. Sometimes the, the you know when someone has spent ten years writing a 658 page book, that's not going to come across on on the air. You just don't have time to drill down. So for the listener, they're sitting back and saying, "Well, you know, where's the evidence? Well, you got to read the book. You know, it's in the appendix. It's they got the they got they've reprinted the documents in there. You don't have time to, you know, to get that out on the radio. So um, it's 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 important for people who are listening to understand." That they're not, they're not getting the full story, you know. If someone's dedicated ten years of their life and they've put this book together, they're going to have to go the extra mile and, and and read the book or do a little research on their own, aside from just deciding based upon what they hear on the radio show. Do you find it a big difference between your audiences on coast to coast as it is to your conspiracy show? Uh, well, coast obviously is a, is a much bigger platform. Uh, you know, millions of people versus the conspiracy show with my U.S. affiliates. You know, maybe hundreds of thousands. So it's a it's a much bigger platform. Um, but the late night audiences are the best audiences in radio uh, because uh, you have their undivided attention for the most part. Um, and I, I just find that they're 
they're the incredibly thoughtful and passionate uh, audience. Um, you, you can't do this kind of radio, you know, as far as I can tell, you know, during the, the drive home or the, during the morning. People's, you know, they're on the road, they're in and out of their cars in 15 minutes. Uh, late night radio, you can do long form, in-depth interviews. And you know, in my mind's eye, I see that listener. Maybe they're uh, sitting in a soft chair in a living room with the lights down and they're just listening. That's it. They're not watching TV. They're not, they're not trying to get dinner for the kids. They're yours for those two hours. And that's the beauty of late night radio. Now, now with the internet, have you found that there's a, a lot more evidence in things like, um, you know, ghost research as well as, um, cryptozoology and stuff like that? Is, how come there isn't more evidence is what I should say? How come there isn't more evidence for the existence of ghosts? Yeah, or even even um, Bigfoot and stuff like that. Everybody has a cell phone now. Everybody can take a picture, snapshot, uh, or film real easy. And um, why isn't there more uh, evidence coming forward? Well, you're, you're right. I mean, that's that's a great question, and it's one I ask myself as well. You know, where's the body? Uh, uh, habeas corpus, habeas corpus when it comes to Bigfoot, and yet we're told, well, um, there's one theory that these are, uh, they're not purely physical beings, they're, they're perhaps interdimensional beings. Um, you know, that's one explanation that's offered up. I, I, I can't say that I necessarily buy into that. Uh, I would certainly, you know, a large part of me wants Bigfoot to exist, uh, but but like you, Alan, I'm I'm waiting for some definitive evidence, and I and I I would think that by now, um, someone would have produced uh, a body. However, uh, you know, when was the last time someone discovered a uh, a dead grizzly bear in the woods or a dead mountain lion? Now, occasionally, one is what well, we you know they get they're hunted and shot. Uh, we've seen stuffed uh, uh, grizzly bears and so forth, but it's not like you're walking through the woods and you just see one, you know, lying there dead on the ground. What happens to those? Uh, you know, they're they're quickly consumed, I suppose, by other scavengers and so forth and predators. Um, but um, yeah, one one would think that uh, at some point a a big logging truck is going to collide with a bigfoot uh, somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, and you know, we can finally put this thing to rest. Um, but until that happens, all we have are endless, an endless supply of plaster casts of footprints and fuzzy photographs. <laughs> now, now, um, uh, do you ever watch any of the uh, television shows on 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 ghosts or ghost hunters or any of that sort of stuff? Yes, I, I have. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen I've seen enough of them, uh, and and and. Um, they kind of they all sort of play out the same way. Um, so in in some respects, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, not, I'm certainly not convinced on the on the basis of those reality TV shows in the existence of of uh, of ghosts. Uh, I do find, however, um, some of the um, the EVPs um, quite fascinating. Electric voice phenomena. And um, some of the photographs that I've seen online are quite remarkable. However, 
because of things like you know f- uh, Photoshop and, and and other technology, uh, photographic evidence is becoming less and less uh, reliable. Um, so, am I convinced? No, I'm not 100% convinced. But it's 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 again, I'm conflicted by it as well. Uh, the whole idea of, uh, of of ghosts, it's it doesn't square with my my um, my faith. Um, so that's you know that's always a challenge for me uh, to get beyond that. However, um, everyone loves a good ghost story, and I'm no different in that regard. And um, uh, you know, I love I love talking about ghosts on the radio. I love I love having uh, ghost experts and ghost hunters, and and um, that's not you know just because I have some issue with it from a religious standpoint. Uh, and difficulty believing it in a hundred percent, it's not going to dissuade me from from talking about it. Well, I, I will say that um, for sure. Listening to Coast to Coast, when I hear you or Ian Punnett on, I I don't notice a uh, suggestive taint toward religion. Like I would never know you had um, a lot of faith. And that would uh, make you doubt, perhaps, ghosts, or question them more, or it doesn't fit. But I do notice it on some of the other hosts. It seems well, to t- tend to be that way. Um, I'll, so. I'll put it on the table. I will. I will mention it when I when I think it's necessary, so that people understand that I do have a bias, uh, even if it doesn't necessarily come out. Uh, it's important for people to know. Okay, this is who I am. This is what I believe. However, now you tell me your story. Right. That, right. That's that's how I try and approach it. Yeah, and I think that's great. Um, now, so how does that affect your UFO and your belief in aliens and and, and that whole aspect of this? Because this is a very big subject in in the uh, paranormal field right now. Well, uh, here's here's an area that can uh, get you. Uh, Taken off the Christmas card list <laughs> really quickly uh, because because this field is so divisive as you well know. Yeah. Um, much as you know the JFK uh, community, if I can use that term, very divisive and Bigfoot and every group has their you know their their schisms and so forth. But when it comes to UFOs, and I have stated this repeatedly, again this is my bias, uh, and it's not simply informed by necessarily a religious point of view. There's uh, also some uh, based on what I think is some common sense and, and so forth. But I do believe that we are alone in the physical universe. I think we are unique. Um, but having said that, I do believe that, that what people are experiencing when they see a UFO uh, or have um, uh, a, an encounter or a communication with some being, I think it's real. The question is, what is it they're experiencing? And, and what or who is, is piloting these crafts. And uh, so rather than calling them extraterrestrials, I refer to them as interdimensionals. And uh, whether we're talking about uh, whether they are from the angelic realm, whether they are uh, angels or demons or what have you, uh, I mean, that's, that's the way I, from a personal standpoint, I approach uh, the whole UFO ET issue, because then you see, I think then it it it, it fits the biblical narrative. 
uh, if we're talking about extraterrestrials, it doesn't. It doesn't work for me. So if we're talking about interdimensionals, then it, then it dovetails quite nicely with the Bible. I'm sort of okay. Can you explain that a little bit more? What what, what do you mean by a difference in, in your opinion, of uh, interdimensional as compared to extraterrestrial? Well, if it's an extraterrestrial civilization, we're talking about uh, beings that 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 exist in our on, on our plane of existence. They are from perhaps a distant galaxy. They've traveled from a different star system to get to our uh, to get to Earth. Uh, so that's the extraterrestrial. Interdimensional um, theoretical physicists, I, now, I think they're now talking about at least 11 or 12 hyperdimensions that exist uh, virtually right in front of our nose. Um, and, you know, theoretical physicists, I don't believe, speculate on what, or what might inhabit these dimensions, if anything. But uh, for me... Um, you know, I would speculate that some of these dimensions um, are inhabited. And what we're experiencing when we see a flying saucer or an ex- a so-called extraterrestrial might be an interdimensional. So it doesn't, ex- it doesn't exist on our plane of existence. It's, it's in another dimension. And, you know, when you read the Bible, it talks about... Uh, in not in so many words, but it but it hints strongly hints at the existence of other dimensions, and uh, I, I do believe in an angelic realm. I believe in an unseen world, uh, and so that's what I think we're we're really experiencing with with UFOs and ETs. Um, it, it explains a lot because you know people will talk about UFOs seemingly sort of flitting in and out of existence. Uh, it's it's there, then it's not. Um, and it also explains how they might be able to, um, it's a better explanation for me than the idea that they have traveled thousands and thousands and thousands of light years, uh, to get here. I, I just, I just wonder about that. I just, um, it makes me, and, and one thing that I question quite often is, uh, it seems like someone comes out with an, an idea. You know, I was abducted by an alien. And, the, and one of the last ones we talked to, um, he was probed by the mantis. And now I've heard 20 or 30 stories that are all similar now. Mm-hmm. It, it's the same, it's the same, and it's the same description. Everybody uses the mantis. It becomes the same. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's something we're suggesting to ourselves or is it something that's really happening. Well, it's, you make a great point, Al, because if you go back to the uh, the Betty and Barney Hill alien abduction, which, of course, is the first sort of highly publicized incident in the 1960s, and at that time in the pop culture, we were sort of being inundated with these images of, uh, of greys and so forth. And so, you know, that became... Uh, sort of the thing, right? That's what everyone was experiencing. And as you say now, it's, it's the mantis. Uh, before Betty and Barney Hill, people were talking about, uh, the Venusians, you know, these entities from Venus and so forth. Right. So it is interesting how, uh, these experiences appear to be by and large, uh, 
influenced by what's happening in pop culture. And linking to um, what you guys were just talking about, the kind of like power of suggestion and how when somebody says, um, like, for example, when we, we spoke to that individual and he said, well, I've been probed by the mantis and mentioned little grey ones. And suddenly you hear more and more accounts of the same thing. That power of suggestion is, as we know, is huge. So in terms of spirit communication, Richard, what, what's your belief around that? Because there is so many different theories and there are so many shows about it. And there's so many mediums who claim to be able to talk to spirits. What, what's your views? Well, again, conflicted. Um, however, my understanding in the, in the Christian tradition and the, certainly in the Catholic tradition and the Greek Orthodox or the Orthodox Christian tradition, there is something, uh, called communion with the saints. And so for me, that opens the door, uh, to the possibility that there could be communication with, uh, people that have passed on. Um, but I, you know, I've, I've heard contrary opinions, uh, from, from Catholics and, and Orthodox Christians on that point. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with it. If we can commune with the saints and these are, these are, you know, people that have passed on, why can't we commune with the spirits of, of dead relatives and so forth? Uh, but also I'm wary that, you know, there is a possibility that there could be a deception here and that we're not necessarily talking to, you know, great Aunt Ruth. Uh, we are being deceived by some, you know, low energy or low entity, uh, uh, whether you want to call it a demon or sometimes people just refer to the, you know, the level of energy, a lower energy entity. Uh, so that we're not actually talking to who we think we're, we're communing with. It's it's uh, some some other lower dimensional being. And certainly, whilst living in Cyprus, that was, um, I guess, a un- very much unsaid kind of theory because you've got the Greek Orthodox Church, um, but mediumship is classed as magic, and it's an illegal act in Cyprus. Is that right? So, I didn't I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so it's, 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 and mediums get arrested on a fairly regular basis there. Um, and so now many people will kind of fly out from the UK and they'll do a, a set, um, for holidaymakers in, in clubs and bars and things and fly back again, uh, so that, uh, they don't get the authorities. Um, and whilst, um, the Cypriots are fairly tolerant, if, as long as it is not overt, and it's not kind of in their faces. Um, people are still known, even last year, were arrested for mediumship. So it's a that's a huge contradiction already with kind of the, that conversation with, and connection with the saints, and um, and would fit very well into that that whole theory of we're connecting with the wrong entity as opposed to those who we think we are. Right. Well, I'm, I I certainly would um, sort of categorize myself as a walking contradiction and that's probably what you know that's not probably that's definitely why i am so conflicted because uh you know i'm i'm certainly no biblical scholar so i struggle with my faith and i struggle with what i talk about on the air and i'm just kind of scrabbling around in the dark 
like a lot of people looking for for truth certainly not never claiming to 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 find it or owning it uh but i am um marshall McLuhan, the great media scientist from canada uh used the term organizing ignorance for discovery and i think that's sort of what i'm about uh i i really you know i i don't have a lot of answers i only have questions and i'm not getting any closer necessarily after 20 years in radio i just have more questions and i think that's um it's so true i mean as a medium i will say to people when i used to be on stage i would go on stage and i would say i haven't a clue how i do this i don't know but i i know things about people that i would wouldn't or shouldn't know so how i know those things where that fits into religion and our beliefs i have no idea um, and you'd get this kind of un- unnerved, um, sort of sometimes chuckling from the audience. But it's just about being real about it. There is no definitive proof. I have no proof to offer as to why and how I get this information. I have a whole set of theories. Sometimes they're more. I lean more one way than another because of the basis of the information. But generally, it's really hard to decipher how and why I'm able to do the things that I can do. So, that's yeah. That's 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 uh, that's you know my my journey as well. Uh, I constantly find myself trying to ride at least two horses at the same time. So, what, what's your belief, Richard, in terms of what happens after we die? What well, will certainly once you die. Well, uh, I certainly believe in um, a continuation of uh, of um, consciousness. And personality. Um, my, you know, my current spiritual journey b- leads me to believe that there will be uh, ultimately um, a, a judgment, and hopefully uh, a, a room for me in in God's uh, you know mansion. Um, but. Um, I am I'm constantly challenged by, for example, I, I, I have a lot of people on on my programs talking about reincarnation and past life regression therapy, and I find that evidence, uh, and I've witnessed a number of uh, regressions. I've 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 had them on uh, performed live on the radio with a with a registered regression therapist and a and a client or a subject who goes under hypnosis, and I have seen and heard some uh, amazing. Amazing things that absolutely and utterly confound me, that again challenge my uh, my, my my faith. So I'm I, I'd have to say I'm I'm open to it, but again skeptical uh, of of reincarnation. That is um, my my current uh, you know spiritual journey is you know I believe in in uh, everlasting life and uh, in judgment. Pretty, pretty amazing. Um, when 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 you're you're doing the show now, the conspiracy show runs five days a week, doesn't it? Uh, no, the conspiracy show is uh, Sunday nights here in Toronto, and uh, it, then it is carried in delay uh, on about forty affiliates across North America. So some of those affiliates might carry the show 
the following Wednesday or Thursday or Saturday or what have you. So it's not live on the affiliate stations, but it's just a, it's one two-hour show a week. And then uh, my podcast, I have a, a podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, and that drops uh, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great. How often are you doing the coast-to-coast um, -coast now? It seems like weekends. Uh, twice a month, typically, sometimes three days, a week, uh, three days a month. So this month, it'll be December 21st and 22nd, which is a Friday and a Saturday. It can be a Friday, it can be a Saturday, it can be a Sunday. Wow. And who are your biggest influences? My biggest influences as a broadcaster? Yeah, as a broadcaster. Uh, let me see. Um, well, I, I just I, I try to do my own thing, but I can't help but you know be inspired by certain individuals. Art Bell certainly was was a, a remarkable broadcaster, and I, it had nothing to do with the content. It was just the whole presentation style. Art was one of those few people that you could sit and listen to. As far as I was concerned, you could sit and listen to him read from the phone directory. Uh, he just had um, such a great voice, such a great cadence and rhythm and delivery and all of that. So Art Bell, I think for many of us in this whole uh, alternative arena, would would be uh, would have to, we'd have to cite as a as a uh, as an influence. Um, let's see. Aside from that, oh dear. There was a, a gentleman uh, on CBC Radio uh, years ago. His name was Arthur Black, and he had a, a program called Basic Black. And I, I just I loved his his humor, uh, he, he, very self-deprecating. And and I I try to be that way, not necessarily you know copying um, Arthur Black, but I think it is upon reflection somewhat similar. And I, I like to take the Mickey out of myself. Can't take you can't take yourself too seriously. Right. Yeah. So what do you got planned next? You going to keep running with the shows and just keep, you know, churning it out. I have a lot of content and a lot of time to fill and uh uh yeah, continue to do coast to coast into 2019. My 2019 will mark my uh fifth year of doing coast sort of an, as a a semi regular guest host. Um and uh, the conspiracy show Next uh, next year will be the 10th anniversary of uh, of that particular show on uh, Zoomer Radio in Toronto. Although I've been on the air pretty much uh, uninterrupted in Toronto for 20, it'll be 20 years, um, give or take. And uh, the podcast, I'm I'm fa a fairly recent arrival to podcasting. I'm enjoying that. I can do that from home. I can take my mixer on the road with me and do it from a hotel room. So I'm enjoying podcasting. And uh, that's growing by leaps and bounds, Conspiracy Unlimited. Uh, so, yeah, just, you know, as long as I can work my mouth, <laughs> I'll just keep going and going and going, I guess. As long as you can keep talking. Wow. That's it. Okay. And uh, the website or your contact information for the guests, if they want to get a hold of you, they don't know how. They can go through the website strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and that's kind of the landing page and all the different uh, projects are there the conspiracy show conspiracy unlimited and uh there's there's a contact page there they can reach me through uh, through the website well it's been a, a great conversation and and I really appreciate you taking the time 
um, to come on. Uh, thank you very much, Richard. Well, thank, thanks for inviting me, Al and Julie. Great pleasure. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.